Hi, Filmatics. Thanks for coming back to part two with Daniel Tibbetts. And we were discussing so many great films, so many TV shows that um, Daniel Tibbetts has been producing. And we started talking about From the Stairs Media. And Daniel is a Chief Operating Officer for Odyssey Impact, which is a nonprofit 501c3 that drives social change through innovative storytelling and media, connecting faith and secular communities. And um, he's a consultant for LA Network, founded by R director Robert Rodriguez. And I just want to remind y'all real quick that Daniel Tibbetts is a producer known for Hood River, Machinima's Chasing the Cup, and Street Fighter and Resurrection, and so many wonderful TV shows. So let's welcome back Daniel Tibbetts. Daniel, thanks for coming back. Thank you. It's great to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so you, you were starting to talk about this amazing project that you were working on with these two women. You were talking about, what was the name of this film? Stranger Sister. Stranger Sister. And one sister. Yeah, it's a, it's a short documentary. Mm -hmm. The documentary. And the two ladies were from... Yeah, so the, 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 um, the, the story really is about uh, two women one who is Muslim and one who is Jewish. And basically they come together, right, to try to stop hate in their communities and teach how to stop hate in communities. Uh, and it's a really important film. It actually just launched uh, through some of our, our various outreach. But what Odyssey does, what Odyssey, what Odyssey really looks to do is find these impactful films, produce them or help them be produced, and then create material around them that can be shared in libraries or uh, universities, um, you know, seminaries, uh, even corporations, right, will bring these films and show them uh, to their employees and show them to their community. Because, you know, uh, again, we're, we're, we're all talking about um, what can we do to change some of the racial and social injustices uh, that we've had. Um, and so this particular film was directed by Kristen Kelly and Katie Tabor. Um, and I think that's the other thing that uh, uh, Odyssey Impact and Transform Films, and just to remind everyone, Odyssey Impact is the nonprofit that looks to um, push the, the, the teachings and the educational material out into different communities um, and transform films is the production company that will actually make the film. And we have a lot of really wonderful creative individuals who work with both companies um, to identify these, these issues, these films, work with the community at large, um, and use storytelling as a way to drive that change. And that's really beautiful. Um, you know, and it seems like, you know, people, I think in the day people have good hearts. But sometimes people just just like different things. Like they like to read different books. They like if you're a vegan, they don't like anyone that's not a vegan. So to find a way to like, you know, can a vegan and a meat eater be in the same room eating together? Yes. So it's like, I guess it's like, how, how, how do we, you know, you know, any, anything that's positively to help you know, just people just, you know, just, just recognize that people different, we're probably not always going to like everyone that you meet, but at least be kind, respectful, nice, and just, you know, so these are beautiful. That's why the part of storytelling, whether you're an art, a painter, a musician, uh, a director, writer, producer, you can make beautiful things that like are healing and beautiful. So I love what you're doing. You're just so fantastic. Thank you for that. And, um, 
would you like to tell us about, I would love to talk about, you know, your, um, your different shows that you've done because you've done so many and would you like to share uh, some of the TV shows that you worked on uh, you've done the Chasing Cop Injustice Chasing the Cop yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah so um, I think so some of the um, uh, and you mentioned From the Stairs I wanted to bring that up because I think this is also important for listeners who are, are you know looking to get into uh, entertainment there's two paths you can take right you can have a job where you get hired and you can, you know, and, and hired as a creative executive or on the marketing side, or you can be freelance where you're a freelance director, writer, producer. Um, and, and what I've done in this last year, when I think about all the changes in COVID and honestly, all the opportunities that come out of telling really impactful stories from the Sears media is my holding company to be able to tell a lot of different stories, work with a lot of different companies and, and really do it all through, uh, an entity I own. So being a part of Odyssey Impact and Transform Films, I can do that because I have my company and I ultimately um, uh, lend out my services to Odyssey and Transform to help them continue to um, deliver on their mission. Um, and there's, a, there's a, a number of just wonderful films that they've done in the past that we have coming up. And it's really something to keep a, an eye on. I would tell everybody, check out odysseys-impact.org. Um, and I think uh, it's, a, it's a great organization. Um, but as far as my, my kind of historical perspective on things I've done, you know, it's such a wide range of scripted and non-scripted, but, but specifically when you talk about um, Chasing the Cup. Chasing the Cup was this idea that was originally produced for Twitch, where uh, is the docuseries following some of the top players of League of Legends, right? League of Legends, the game. And... Um, when I came into Machinima, I was not a part of that original series. I saw what a wonderful story that was. And certainly being at Machinima, a gaming network, how do we go ahead and continue to tell those stories and even expand it? Um, we were working very close with Warner Brothers at the time and specifically Warner Brothers Games, who uh, has Mortal Kombat, um, Injustice, other, you know, other games out in the marketplace. The first one we did actually was a partnership around Mortal Kombat where we followed, it was a docu-series, following some of the top Mortal Kombat players in, in the world. Um, and then we uh, brought that to the, the world finals, which was broadcast on the CW um, and performed really, really well and then went on to do another uh, season of that series. But it's, again, another great example of, of taking something that uh, worked in a different medium here, digital, um, was great storytelling. There's a lot of great stories behind gamers and that that culture and lifestyle. And then how do you develop it and distribute it or um, uh, make it of value to a different platform like a broadcast network? You know, so that's that. I, I say that because that's, I think, the key, one of the keys to my career is I first look at identifying the opportunity. What's the platform? What's the... Um, uh, the need, what kind of stories do we want to tell? And then where's the best place for that to live, right? And then looking at what's their business model, right, of that platform uh, or of that network and our, or their programming strategy and how can I fit into it so that I'm always bringing something of value. You know, that's the best way to sell anything is know what they want to buy first. And I used to give that advice a lot. Um, people would bring me something 
And I say, but I don't buy that. And they say, yeah, but it's the greatest thing in the world. But I said, but it, it could be the greatest thing in the world. But if I don't buy that type of thing, I, it doesn't work for me. It, the example is that I'd always say, you know, I buy shirts. You're trying to sell me shoes. They could be the greatest, they're the most comfortable shoes in the world. <laughs> but I don't buy shoes. Yeah. If you're a pizza sure. shop, you're going to want pizza stuff. If you're a flower shop, you're going to want flower shop, right? Flower stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I always, I always recommend to, to creative people, know that business part of it. Know what people are looking for really specifically, you know, and, and, and deliver that the best you can, you know, and, and that's how you'll um, sell more or, um, you know, get in front of buyers more because they'll, they'll always know you're bringing something that they may need. Or, or probably need, whether it's the right thing or not, doesn't matter. They know that you're someone um, to always look for. Yeah. So, so chasing the cop sounds so good. And then also you, um, the other one that looks really good, Flood, Hood River. Like, can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah. So Hood River actually came uh, while I was working at El Rey and uh, really a, a, a great Pitch developed originally by uh, an executive producer, Zig Gauthier. Uh, and I've known Zig a long time. Zig was actually helping me on another project at, at El Rey. And we knew there was a need um, for this type of film uh, or for a film with this strong of a message. And Zig found this story. And the story is a community in Colorado, uh, which is, is really um, separated with, you know, kind of the landowners and uh, migrant workers. And this specific story was centered around a soccer team, which had, you know, both groups, right, who, who, you know, within the community were very separate via class, but came together as a single team, um, uh, you know, on that field uh, and how they were united. And it was a very, uh, it's a very emotional story um, during the filming you know, one of the players' fathers was being uh, deported at the time, you know, and this was, you know, 2018, uh, when there was a lot of conversation about DACA, uh, there's a lot of conversation about um, uh, people being deported, and, and, you know, our focus on this team, what we ended up seeing were families being ripped apart in this community, and then how the community came together. So it's a, it's a very important film. Uh, very relevant, certainly, to the types of stories we were telling about, at El Rey about the U.S. Uh, U.S. Hispanic uh, experience. Yeah, uh, it's oh gosh, it just is heartbreaking, you know. And um, so, I, I hope that you know that the good good things can come. Uh, you know, we can work together and find these things. And you also, what was classmates? It looks real fun, right? Classmates. <laughs> so yeah, this was uh, this was a, a great one. I loved this show. This was a while ago, but you may so, some of you, some of your audience may remember classmates.com. Okay, before Facebook, it was actually a site called classmates.com where you could come together and re, re um, reconnect with people you went to school with, um, and that was the idea. Uh, we, so at that time I was running the Fox lab for 20th television, Fox and production. And, um, in the Fox lab, we had a great group of creatives that were developing just very unique ideas, things that hadn't been, you know, formats and concepts that weren't typical of television at that time. And one of the producers we worked with brought this idea of doing a show around classmates.com. Basically we would bring 
two people together who hadn't seen each other, you know, in whatever amount of years. And it turned out to be a really emotional show. So, for example, in one of the episodes, um, uh, uh, a guy who had been bullied uh, in high school, right, and, and really it affected him. Like, it affected his life after high school pretty dramatically, right? Um, and he, what he wanted to do was go back to, to high school and confront the bully. Let the guy know. And it wasn't confrontational, right? We're not doing Jerry Springer. But it was he wanted to make sure, he wanted some closure. He wanted some relief to go back and say to the bully, hey, you made my life hell, right? Oh. Look at and, and it affected me. And, and I just needed you to know that to have closure. And what we, what we discovered in some cases were, you know, and, and very honestly, either the bully didn't even recognize they were being a bully or they had realized they were a bully and changed their lives. And they were very healing moments for both individuals. And when we saw that kind of um, communication, right, in perspective, right, in the sense that, you know, you, you may be carrying something because you perceived it a certain way and they're carrying it because they perceived it a, a certain way. And, and sometimes when you bring that conversation together and really grapple with how each other's perceptions were baked and why, it can really change the way people talk with each other, right? And, and, and we know this in general. Um, it's not about what you think you said. It's about how someone else perceived it. And you have to be really conscious in communication on how you're being perceived. And so we did 105 episodes of that show. And, you know, every story just had a different dynamic to it. Really powerful, you know, um, uh, dynamic of what it's like to have two people who hadn't seen each other in 10, 20, 30. In one case, you know, literally 60 years come back together and talk about things that uh, were either unresolved or uh, needed, you know, you know, closure to. That's, that's powerful. And it, it, I think now that they're doing online bullying, right? Um, like yes. cyberbullying. And also, um, when you were in high school, a lot of people were popular and some people weren't. But now we're rated on almost every medium. So it's like the popularity contest. So I wish that element of social media would be deleted because it puts some people like they're above you. And, and like, you know, why is this person so great? Just because some, you know what I mean? You can buy followers, but it, it's like high school again. Social media has made the world high school, high school again. So I wish that element wouldn't say follow me or just be like, you're cool or like really cute things to say, like right on, that's cool art or something like that's cool video as opposed to follow me. It's such, um, it's, it just set up people to just be like, again, the most popular, you know, and puts people like, you know, if you don't, ha and it's shameful, like, oh, no one's following you because you're not famous or rich or you're not on TV. So it sets, sets the world up that we're all, you know, being rated and ranked. And it's, 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 it's a hard thing to do because people won't even go in there because like, well, I don't have any followers or it's embarrassing or you know what I mean? I wish they would replace follow the word follow with like, maybe you have like things like um, really cool art or like just little emojis. That's cool. Or just fun. They would just get an emoji button that someone could put um, instead of follow. Cause follow was just so like, you know, are you a king? Do I obey you? Or it's, I don't know. What do you think about that? Does it set up people to, to be bullied or 
you know. Yeah, I think, well, it, it definitely sets people up to, to feel insecure about themselves, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and ongoing, like we talk about it, you know, certainly my generation, we talk about it in high school, but now that goes into your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s even, right? Do I have followers? Do I have friends in social media? And, and so that constant need, right, to, mm-hmm. to feel wanted is now every day at a push of a button. There's no getting away from it, right? In high school, you could go home, right? Mm, yeah. Maybe you had a bad experience in school, but you got to go home, you had your weekends, you had escape, right? Or, and you got out of high school. But now it's with us 24 seven. And, and for many, it's very addictive. And for many, it's very destructive, you know? And it, it creates also an environment for people to create a false perception, Right. And, and we've seen this where where uh, influencers will get busted because they'll show how they're on a private plane, but they're really not. It's a set. Right. Or it's a rental. It's something that they can you can create the appearance as if you're rich and famous and have a lot of friends. But in truth, some of it's manufactured. So how do kids who don't have that uh, ability or even that knowledge, how do they then deal with seeing that they see someone who appears to have this fame and fortune, but it's probably, it can be manufactured. Um, so I, you know, look, I think social media is, has its wonderful qualities in that we can stay connected. It can be utilized for business. It can be used for positive means, communicating change. Yes. The negative is it has become also this desire for, as you have stated, likes and followers um, or to be liked, to be followed, right? And and that can easily become a, a very negative um, connotation and uh, kind of self-worth for people. Well, yeah, just because so many people are depressed during COVID, the lockdown, the depression, and uh, you know, not feeling like they're not popular. And, and like some of us, we're so busy, like writing, directing, producing, creating content, living our lives. A lot of artists that are, you know, like myself, like we have to... You know, we have to go to work and we do our art. You also got to clean the laundry. You got to go cook your food. You got to buy the food. You got to walk the dog. You have like your daily chores plus working a, a little job to, you know, one day to do your thing. Like I tell people like, I, I don't even have time to go on social media. So um, if I do, you know what I mean? You know, but it's, but um, I, I tell people, I just like creating because it's, it's like my favorite thing in the world. Like what, when I write the kids content, it makes me happy. And, um, you know, and like you said, like, there's a lot of um, bullying in the the news. So when I see like, on my one kids um, show and Chinese book readings, when I'm finding that like, I'm hitting number one in Hong Kong and South Korea, and you're hearing people saying how people are bullying them, it really hurts. And I, I tailor my stories for those kids. And I hoped I've helped them because um, people have emailed me and said their kids are depressed. And that they, you know, it's cheering them up and cheering their kids stuck at home. And so I try to tailor it for my audience. Like, um, like I, uh, Sleeping Beauty with the Seven Dwarfs, you know, I added the COVID element. He sneezes and he's like, right, I'm wearing my mask and my gloves. You know what I mean? I made it modern so that the kids are stuck at home or if they're crying because someone was mean to them. I share a story like Clever Trevor. Sue Ling is crying because people bullying her in school. And Clever Trevor is her friend and he has this magical chalk and takes her on this beautiful um, adventure with the pirate ship with his magical chalk and tries to cheer up 
you know, I, I mean, I think we're each doing our part, but I guess, you know, until we walk in those shoes, we'll never know. So you're, you're doing so that's a, that's a wonderful positive use of digital media and social, right? Everything you just described is helping, right? People deal or kids deal and cope with real life issues, right? And you wouldn't have had that means without digital, right? Because because now you can create a podcast, you can create stories, you can distribute it worldwide, right? Through all the, the, the technologies and companies that enable us to do that. Yeah. And you can build an audience very, via social. And so it's really, it just comes down to how are you using it, right? Yes, yes, I know. And like you just, so the Fox Lab that you were head of at Fox, is, um, is that where like people can apply? Is that one of those labs where like, you know, you can apply to be in the lab and you're in charge of that is because people are going to probably ask me like, how come you didn't ask about the lab? Is that one of those labs you can apply to? So <laughs> well, that was, that was a while ago. Unfortunately, the, the Fox lab, as far as I know, does not exist it, anymore. Okay, It ended, right? It was, it was, an, it, but it was, it was exactly that. It was an incubator. It okay. was a place to find, again, what I would say are unique creative creatives who didn't have the experience to run a show, right? But they, but they really had great ideas and, and very innovative ideas. And so, what we would do is uh, we would we would really source uh, the various communities and find great creatives, bring them into the lab, and give them all the resources they needed to take whatever idea they had in their head and see it get made. And then we could pair them with an experienced showrunner, kind of like a mentorship program. And we could pair them so that that experienced showrunner was helping that vision be realized and executed. Because as you know, that's the other key. You can have a great idea and, and, and there's lots of ideas out there. The, the question is, can you execute it? Can, yeah. it? can you get it made, right? And see it all the way through. And so in that case, these individuals we brought to the lab didn't have that experience. So we helped them. And by the way, everyone we had in the lab went off to, to do really amazing work, become executives you know um uh, at various studios or show, uh, their own they became showrunners on their own right um uh, executive producer it really was a, a great experience to find new talent give them resources and see them grow yeah i think i, I finally heard of it and then when i oh, i wanted to apply and i like didn't have it anymore but uh, are they i mean it'd be so amazing if they had something like that coming up i think um right now HBO has their um, diverse program for Asians, uh, Asian filmmakers to apply for HBO. I think that's coming up. So I just want to put that out there. If anyone's a filmmaker, that HBO has a diverse uh, program right now that you can apply to. Because uh, people do ask a lot. And I'm like, oh, well, if I, if I know better, I'll let you guys know. But that's just so wonderful. So is there any other uh, TV show that you'd like to talk about? We have so many that you have. Like, you literally have done, like, oh, my God. like. The, the, the last thing I'd, I'd hit on is just this last year with COVID, you know, um, we had to produce 120 hours of content of shows for L Ray Network and we had to do a remote. And so some of the shows that I got to executive produce, like the Chewy Martinez show, L Ray Nation, uh, Vampiro Unleashed, Mar Maria, uh, Correcto Mundo. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing I was saying at the beginning um, of part one, which is, you just have to do it. You can't wait for the I need list, right? So COVID happened. We shut down all the studios. We shut down all the productions, but I still needed 120 hours. And you just figure it out. 
you know, and, and yes, we had to do it via Zoom, and yes, we had people remote editing, and yes, we had to figure out how to get drives to them, and we had to figure out how to work with talent from their home and be safe. But, you know, it's like anything, when you're up against that, that wall, when you're, when you, uh, you know, when, when you're in a box, and you have to figure out how do you create within that, within the realities, you can be really creative. And so, you know, all of those shows... You know, I look at it and I go, wow, we were we were in a, um, a very difficult position trying to change the, a com- you know, uh, the complete way people work and operate to make TV shows. But we did it. Right. And we saw it with a lot of shows, Saturday Night Live, your local news. You know, so many programs did uh, the, all the late night talk shows. They did very quickly a pivot to how they could still produce their shows. And the most important thing about that was keeping people working, right? If we hadn't done that, all those people would have been out out of work, you know, for a year. But we found a way to keep the production rolling, to keep people working. And, you know, we just figured it out. So that was really fun. I was going to ask you about the Chi Martinez show, show. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, so Chewy, Chewy Martinez, he, he's a radio personality in Los Angeles. He's also on a Fox syndicated show, uh, Dish Nation. So if you're f- familiar with Dish Nation, Chewy is, is on that. I, I met Chewy a few years ago, and he's a larger than personality. Um, he, he, in, in the show, he describes himself as the first. Um, bearded Latino to host a late night talk show, which is true, by the way. I think he is the first bearded Latino to host a late night talk show. Um, What's wonderful, wonderful. on guys lately? They have these big beards. Yes. These guys. Is that like the trend? <laughs> it is. He has the most incredible beard. He, he gets it I, 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 at least once a week, I, maybe twice a week. You know, he has to get it, uh, get it groomed. But uh, uh, funny guy, um, very well known. Um, uh, really knows pop culture and what's going on, has great um, insight into to music and lifestyle and different things around culture. And so really enjoyed working with him. We did 40 half hours of that show together. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And then um, you said also in COVID that, um, what is the, what is the newest one coming out? Correct. Cur- Jamundo? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they, they, they've all been uh, air. Correct. Jamundo is a game show. Uh, also, a, a lot of fun. Hector Navarro is um, the host. Hector Navarro is is in in that world. Uh, DC All Access um, uh, on their platform. He does a, a talk show, a weekly talk show. Uh, but he's also known in a lot of other different shows and platforms. Really wonderful working with him as well. Oh, that's fantastic! And so, COVID, you were busy working and creating. I mean, you were such a fantastic. Like, you were born to be a producer, and you had that. You knew it was the one thing you were supposed to do. Yeah, right. I just can't believe it's the one thing. Yeah, and um, and you do charities, and you have a beautiful family. Your two daughters are going to college. You told me about, and uh, yeah, that's scary. I have two kids. Uh, uh, one in college, the second one about to get there. Yeah, and, and and you did your carbine, and I I want to um, can you talk a little bit about your eat sports lifestyle brand subnation a little bit? Yeah, so the other the other um, project I'm working on through my from the stairs media company is working with a really interesting uh, esports lifestyle and culture 
um, company called Subnation, and, and they're at subnation.gg um, or subnationmedia.gg. And, um, you know, very similar to when I was at Machinima, what I love about gaming is it's not about demographic, right? It's not about uh, creating content for 18 to 24-year-olds. You can be 18, you can be 54, you're a gamer. Gaming is, uh, and, and the love of gaming and gaming culture is really about psychographics, right? Um, uh, and so from, a, from an audience perspective, um, it reaches every age, every race, male, female, you name it, every gender. It's about the love of particular games and that community. And so Subnation, uh, over the last couple of years, has really done a great job of not only um, uh, being involved in game play, which is very very popular in the gaming culture, but also getting into those adjacent shows, right? About cooking, dating, um, different lifestyle things, anything that wraps itself around that particular psychographic, they've done a really good job working with brands and platforms, uh, in the gamers themselves and giving them a platform to have their unique show, their unique voice. So um, it's kind of a, for me, it's kind of a continuation of Machinima, taking everything that I loved and did at Machinima and now bringing it to Subnation um, and helping them build out all these different content verticals. Um, So producing a lot more shows, that's for sure, this year. Yeah. So are you finding that you're doing more like um, short content streaming, like um, short content? Yes. Yeah, so with El Rey, uh, it was a, a, you know more television long form, hour and half hour formats. With both Odyssey Impact and Subnation and a few of my other projects right now, you know there, there's definitely the opportunity to continue to create that shorter form content that has an impact, right, or builds an audience in a particular destination, you know, like under the Subnation brand. Um, but with all of these. Uh, the beauty is it's not about just deciding I'm going to do short form or long form anymore. It's about both, right? So even with Subnation, develop a short documentary. There are other documentaries we're, we're doing that are going to be, you know, feature length. Um, it's, again, it's really about the right story for the right platform, which dictates the, uh, the length of that story, right? What's the right story to tell? And also the quality of that story, right? Because quality is based on how great that story is and the platform you're telling it on. So for a creator, I guess, I guess I'd button it up by saying, if you're a creator today, it's a great time to be a creator. There's more platforms today than ever before. Ever before, you have streaming services, you have cable networks, you have broadcast networks, you have fast television, you know, fast channels, right? Free advertiser supported, um, television i mean it's just this you know you have digital you have mobile um if you have an idea you have podcasts i can keep going if you have an idea and you now have the technology to to get it done whatever that is just get it done now you have platforms where it can be seen um and that's why you just got to go out and do it beautiful so are you gonna get um do any more scripted um tv shows are you looking to do another rome hint hint would love to see a new rome (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i I, i'll tell you for years people have wanted to um do rome keep rome going do it as a series of movies or a series i don't i don't know that that's going to happen um but yes i will always if i find the right story or uh get passionate about a uh you know, something, 
then I, I will continue to do scripted, non-scripted, for television, not for television, anywhere I can tell a story, that's what I'm going to do. Beautiful. Um, I, I love Caligula. Man, uh, that would be a good one, too. He was like... <laughs> Crazy stuff. Well, it's just been such a delight to have you on the podcast, Daniel. And is there, um, it, it, where can people keep up with what you're working on? Because you have so much stuff. Uh, is there a website, a Facebook page where the fans and uh, listeners can just, you know, find out what's uh, what's coming out for you to support your work? Well, for me, yeah. Um, so on Instagram, I'm just D Tibbets. It's a letter D for Daniel. And then T-I-B-B-E-T-S. Um, uh, and the same with Twitter. So Instagram and Twitter, probably the best places to see what I'm posting and working on and talking about. And then all of those posts have a link, you know, to go check it out, whether it's one of the films like Stranger Sister or something we're doing on Subnation. Um, you know, that'd be the best way to keep up with me. Oh, great. So your Twitter, once again, can you tell your Twitter for everyone? Yes, it's D as in Daniel and then Tibbets. T as in Tom, I, B, B as in boy, E, T, S. So D Tibbets, pretty easy to remember D Tibbets. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, perfect. So it's been wonderful to have you on the show and, you know, want you to come back um, when you have your, your next uh, scripted room. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. This was a pleasure. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks everyone for listening and um, stay with us next week for more guests on Filmatics. Thank you everyone. <laughs>